last week I was telling you about the story of Jonah and the song that I had heard long, long time ago uh, as a young person involved with Youth for Christ. Uh, and uh, I sang the chorus, which goes like, when God tells you what to do, you better do it. You better do it. You better do it. It doesn't pay to disobey. That's all there's to it. Like old Jonah, you'll find out the hard, hard way. Okay, that's chorus. But <clears throat> thankfully, Dan, the magic man, was hard at work, and he found the rest of that song that I couldn't find. So, so, so here's a, just a little bit, of a couple verses of it, and uh, it, it, goes, it goes like this, if I can get all the words in the right spot, because it kind of moves a bit. So, the Lord told Jonah to go down to Nineveh, that old wicked town, but Jonah didn't want to go where he was sent, until that big fish came along, unshouldered old Jonah, he was wrong. And after that ordeal, he changed his mind and went. And then the chorus goes, well, the second verse goes like this. Old Jonah thought he'd fooled the Lord. He found a ship and got on board. Away they went to sailing out upon the sea. After a while, the sea waves roared. The men threw Jonah overboard. And then he knew he wasn't where he ought to be. When God, and so I'll wait next week. For the other verse, because it fits better next week. Okay? So, uh, but uh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that for getting that. And uh, thank you for your patience and tolerating my singing of old songs. <clears throat> I ask you to <clears throat> uh, hunt around a little bit for any Jonah stories, or I'll even take fish stories if you've got them along the way. Anybody find anything? I know uh, Rebecca had one that she emailed to Frank, but I will use that next week. So uh, I'll we'll pull that up. Anybody find anything along the way? Other stories, Jonah stories? We shared a few last week. Came across one more I would read to you. It says, a young girl and her teacher are arguing about whether humans can be swallowed by whales. Her teacher says that it's impossible for whales to swallow humans because whales have small throats. The little girl says, how can this be? Jonah got swallowed by a whale. The teacher says, well, that's not even a true story. The girl says, when I go to heaven, I'll ask him. The teacher says, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? The girl says, then you ask him. That's kind of a, a rough edge there a little bit, but just kind of on the lighter side of life in terms of stories along the way. So... We're going to uh, read from Jonah chapter 2 from the English Standard Version. You can follow along as I read. And again, uh, just a, a reminder about a couple things. If you want to get a copy of the outline of what we cover today or any other days, you can make sure you get your email address to Frank and he can mail that to you, uh, send that to you, and then you'll have that for just further thoughts. Also, we, we talked about... Uh, drill down questions uh, last week or just further food for thought questions those are also available so just get an email address and he'll be glad to get that to you uh, 
Last week, Jonah chapter 1, directional words here. Uh, we are talking about living life on the run. Jonah chapter 1 was a story of Jonah running from God. Now God has a, has a captive audience of one, and Jonah uh, now begins to turn a different direction. So Jonah chapter 2, I've kind of used the preposition, is a picture of Jonah running to God. And it's really a prayer that he offers in the second chapter. So let's look in, drop in on Jonah's prayer. And it goes like this. Then, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my, lip, my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry ground. Last week we reminded you about the, the lengths toward which God will go to capture your attention, to pull you back to him. I mentioned that there was a poem uh, called The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson, and I wanted to just kind of give you the language that one some part of that is very helpful so the the story the poem goes like this i fled him down the nights and down the days i fled him down the arches of the years i fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the mist of tears i hid from him and under running laughter up vistaed hopes I sped and shot precipitated down titanic glooms of chasm fear from those strong feet that followed, followed after. But with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat, more instant than the feet, all things betray thee who betrayest me. Some of the language of that poem of that hound of heaven, uh, I, I, I really love that those strong feet that followed, followed after with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace. 
deliberate speed, majestic instancy. It's the picture of God who keeps on coming after us. Now, it's not, when, when we move away from him, when, when we make a wrong directional move, when we run from him, or try to ignore him or deny him, he, he, he's okay to say, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. You can stew in your own juice for a while, but he never, his heart is always for us, and he longs to keep after us and come after us to pull us back to himself. And, and that unperturbed, relentless pace of God's heart to come and capture us and draw us back. Um, I, I am so thankful, and we'll get into this in one of the other messages on Jonah. I am so grateful that God is a God who gives us a second opportunity, at least occasionally. You don't want to be presumptuous and assume that, that I can just blow God off now and it, won't, and it doesn't have any consequence. It always does. Disobedience always has consequence to it. But, but at least there are those times when we don't get it right all the time, like Jonah didn't get it right, that he, he comes around after us and longs to pull us to himself. <clears throat> Jonah is a story of every man in his journey with God. And sometimes we run from him, as we saw last week in the disobedience of Jonah. And God goes to those great lengths to capture our attention because of his love for us. So today we find him uh, on his face forward looking to God, change of preposition, if you will. And that turning on his face before God is the action of prayer. It's, it's a prayer. And, and, and that's what chapter 2, verse 1 begins with. Then Jonah prayed. So I want to look at the truths that are about that. Um, probably three of the hardest words in the English language are the words, I have sinned. It's hard for us to sometimes admit that. We like to think that we're pretty good. As <clears throat> Frank was talking about, people think that if I just do good enough or if I just try to live the best I can, that'll get me into heaven. But the road into heaven comes by way of a confession. And that confession in 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Psalm 51, 6, the scriptures say that God desires truth in the inward parts. He longs for that to be the case for us. Or as Eugene Peterson put it on that paraphrase of the verse, he said, he said, God desires truth from the inside out. That's another refreshing way to put it. He just longs for us to... To, to respond to his great grace to us. So that's one of the hardest things that we say, I have sinned. And I, I suspect Jonah had to say that, and it comes out in some ways in this particular portion of Scripture this morning. Um, so a few lessons in the story of Jonah for us today in his running to God. The first one is this, that Jonah knew a God who hears and answers prayer. He knew a God who hears and answers prayer. 
I suspect there are people who think that God won't hear them because they haven't always gotten it right. They don't always obey him. They don't always do the things they ought to do. And they don't always leave undone the things that they ought to have done. They, he needs, sometimes those things keep us away from God. But Jonah knew this. The first six verses kind of would kind of map that out for us for a variety of reasons. First, I think he knew it because of history. We don't know for sure where Jonah fits. I mean, he's one of the minor prophets. We know he's anchored in history and a certain kind of thing. And how much how much familiarity he had with all that God had been doing since the pulling apart, since the gathering together of the people of Israel. But but at least we know some things. For instance, he would have likely been aware of the person Abraham, the, the father of the Jewish people, if you will, who God chose to make a nation out of and called him. He, he would have been familiar with Elijah, likely, as a major prophet, a little bit ahead of Jonah in terms of a minor prophet, uh, historically in the timeline. And he would have known that, well, let's see, there was this event about Elijah on top of a mountain with the prophets of Baal, and they had this contest, and Elijah prays after the prophets of Baal pray. Nothing happens to their prayer, and suddenly God shows up. He hears and answers, and he shows up with great force and power. He probably would have known to some possibility about Jeremiah, who says, in 33.3, he says, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you haven't seen yet. He probably would have understood 1 John 5 that says, this is the confidence that we have in him, although it wouldn't have been written then, that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us, and we know that if he hears us, then we have the things that we desire of him. So there's enough history for Jonah to know that he is a God who hears and answers. And sometimes when we get so overwhelmed with things, we think, God, where are you? We don't know if you're going to listen to us. Always be assured that God hears and answers prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. He, he hears and answers because of history. He hears and answers despite troubles. Sometimes we like to think that maybe there ought to be some level of immunity for Christians, for Christ followers, from the struggles or problems or the weight of life. But there is no immunity. Uh, there is the promise, Jesus says, that if they persecuted me, you can be likely that that might happen coming your way. It may not come all the time, but I suppose if that happened all the time, we'd get so depressed it would really be bad. But but he knows our journey, and despite the troubles that we encounter, he keeps after us. Verse 2 says, Out of my distress I called to the Lord. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice from the depths. He also hears and answers despite the extremes that we encounter along the way. Verses 3 through 6 put it in some um, um, wonderful language from Jonah's perspective. You cast me into the deep. Jonah knew he disobeyed, went the other way. 
instead of going 500 miles up the Mosul uh, to Nineveh, he tries to go 1,500 miles or however far it was the other direction to Tarshish towards Spain. And he tries to head that direction and he knew he had disobeyed. And so he says, uh, uh, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. The extreme of being safe on a boat, safe on the shore, but now being cast away uh, is, a, is an extreme kind of thing. He confesses that God put him where he is. God put him where he is. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. Jonah doesn't blame the sailors for throwing him into the sea. That that doesn't work for him. He he, he doesn't blame the storm. He doesn't blame the fish. He clearly sees that behind the ship and the storm and the casting of lots and the raging sea and the great fish, behind all of that stands the Lord of the universe who orchestrated all those events to capture Jonah's heart. Jonah bows before God and says, I'm here because you put me here. It's a great advance spiritually to stop blaming other people for your problems. And Jonah knows he has to answer to the Lord alone himself. Sometimes when we get in trouble, we, we like to blame other people. Well, it's because of that boss he gave me. It's because of that person that's in my life that keeps mucking things up. All of those things, we, we tend to tendency to go to the blame game. But Jonah answers to the Lord alone, and he knows that. There's no boasting here. He knows that if God doesn't save him, he'll never get out of that great fish alive. It is entirely up to him. I was thinking this morning, this week, uh, in preparation about this whole Jonah event chapter. Um, if Jonah had lived in our day and uh, it, it went to uh, Bush Gardens, Hershey Park, Six Flags. He would have he would have gone on the ride that was called the Regurgitron. That's the only thing that I came up with this week. That was a rather strange or weird, uh, because that's precisely what happens by the end of the second chapter. He just kind of back up on the land. Uh, but but he knows that in all of that stuff, in the midst of that, God hears and answers. His prayer. The end of verse six says, and, and uh, when you stop and look at it, and, and you find contrasts, you know, uh, Frank was talking about the passage in Romans or in Ephesians that says, "But God, but God," and and you know, I'll have this whole situation. But God, who is rich in mercy, does something. For us, it's almost that kind of thing in contrast here in Jonah chapter two, when it comes down to the end of verse six, he describes his situation. You've cast me into the deep. I've got all of this trouble, all of these extremes, all of this distress, and, and all that. And yet, in the end, verse six, it says, "Yet you brought up my life from the pit." Jonah knew a God who was able to rescue from pits. Now. When, when I was growing up, they would, they would say, well, how, how, what was your experience about that particular thing? 
And if it was a negative experience, you would respond by saying, it was the pits. It was not unusual. Jonah understood that God was able to rescue from the pits. You ever been in a pit? Ever been in one of those tough spots that you can't get out of or you wish you weren't into along the way? But you, verse, the end of verse 8, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. The language uh, of, of verse 6, uh, you don't often think about mountains having roots. You just think about stone. But the language he gives, he says, at the roots of the mountain, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. It's almost like this sense of hopelessness. And, and it occurred to me that there are all kinds of pits that you and I can deal with, and I'm just going to pick on three. First one is emotional pits. Have you ever been in an emotional pit? Have you ever had something go on in your world? Maybe things came against it. Maybe it was something that was upsetting. Maybe whatever it was. And you started to move down emotionally. You, you just kind of started to just really go down. People in our world may, may have you know, the highs and lows of life in terms of dealing with life. They may be very high and then they may be very low. There are emotional pits. Jonah would tell us God is able to bring your life up from that pit. And as you look to him, he's able to lift your spirits and minister to the heart and soul of your being and bring you from emotional pits. Spiritual pits is another one. It's not that by pushing into the spirit of God or understand moving toward God that you go into a pit. But sometimes there are these events or these the spiritual life is not always on the mountaintop. Sometimes it's down in the valley. And, and the things that we learn on the mountaintop, mountaintop we love, we, we, we revel in. But, but we forget that when we go down into the pit spiritually, God is able to bring us back. He's able to restore us. He's able to renew us. There are physical pits that we experience as well. Sometimes your body... Uh, it just doesn't work. I remember a number of years ago, I, I did a, a lot of looking into what were referred to as biorhythms. Are you familiar with biorhythms at all? They talk about just how, how your body runs in cycles. And that sometimes physically, you, you may, your body may just kind of bring you down to a certain point, and, and then you just have to wait until that moves you back up to another level, this biorhythm. And they said the thing to avoid is watching out for all the other things in life so they don't compound it. So you experience an emotional or psychological uh, downer when you're in a physical downer, and then it really gets complicated and really gets ugly. So you want to try to avoid that, and uh, there was some suggestions they had. But I won't get into that. That's beside the point. The point is this, that there are pits that you and I experience spiritually, emotionally, physically, and God is able to be the one who brings us up out of those pits. Jonah knew a God who was able to rescue from pits. The final thing in terms of this particular chapter and the story here of Jonah is that Jonah knew a God who uses various means to get our attention. This is not dissimilar to the Joseph story that we ran into. God used a variety of things to get hold of Jonah, to get hold of Jonah. 
wrong J. Get hold of Joseph. He used dreams. He orchestrated circumstances. He 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 re, he, he he worked in ways to capture his attention. Okay, things are going well. Potiphar's house going well. Now we're going to put you in the dungeon, and we're going to see how it looks there. But he learned along the way that God uses various means to get our attention. And particularly verse 17 of chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And the end of chapter 2, down in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it hurt. Well, if you don't like the word vomited, on Sunday morning for church, you can use hurled. But even even that, you know, there's, we talk about kid went out and hurled in the street. So I guess no matter what language you use, it all just kind of comes out. The end result, you know what happens. He remembers, Jonah remembers, that the Lord is his only hope. He says, when my life was ebbing away, verse 7, was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. I remembered you, Lord. Finally, Jonah is acting like a true believer in God. And after all the running away and after all the disobedience and after the being prodigal of sorts, after all the self-centered living, Jonah, Jonah says, God, you've got my attention. You've got my attention. You've captured my heart. God will do whatever it takes. Listen, God will do whatever it takes to bring us to the place where we remember him. When you're in a spot where there may be an emotional pit or a physical pit, when you're in those pits, remember, God is not unaware of that, and he will do whatever he needs to do to get you to the point where you remember him. He'll stop at nothing. It may be calamity. It may be sickness. It may be loss. It may be repeated failure. It may be heartbreak. All of those things can be part of our experience. Whatever it takes to get us on our knees is good for our spiritual growth when it drives us to our knees. Jonah saying, Lord, I've been running from you for a long time, and now you've got my attention. What does God use to get your attention? I thought of a few characters in the Bible, obviously. Jonah, God used a fish to, to capture Jonah's attention. Moses, God used a bush that was burning that would not consume to get his attention. Elijah used wind and earthquake and fire and a voice. Balaam, Numbers 22, tells us that God used a donkey. Any old donkey will do to get your attention. Daniel had some lions that got his attention. Hannah had a young son, Samuel, that God used to get her attention. What about you? You fill in the blank. What is it that God uses to get your attention? He will go to any means to capture your heart. You can see the spiritual progression in this psalm, in, in this particular prayer. He acknowledges that God put him where he was. He accepts God's discipline. He thinks he's going to die. He remembers the Lord finally. And then and only then does he vow to serve God. Serve the Lord. So he comes to that powerful conclusion in verse 10, the last verse, uh, end of verse 9 actually says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
And that sometimes is the hardest lesson. We said the three hardest words were I have sinned. The hardest lesson for us is to remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. It's not me. I don't, I don't merit it. I don't earn it. I don't figure out a way to get to heaven. It's all about God. It starts with God. It ends with God. And that's what he longs for us to know. Some of us struggle a lifetime to learn that. Most of us have to learn it again and again. It's not by my works, lest any one of us would boast. Some people never learn it at all. There's no salvation. There's no deliverance. There's no getting better until we realize that if God doesn't save us, we will never be saved. A similar story is told in the New Testament in the story of the parable of the prodigal son that fits with the story of Jonah. And I think in Matthew 12, that's why Jesus spoke about it. He called his own resurrection the sign of the prophet Jonah, chapter 12, verses 39 and 40. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, even so Jesus was in the heart of the earth. And as Jonah came out of the fish, even so Jesus comes out of the realm of death. And the story of Jonah points to Jesus. The story of Jonah, the story of Jesus, tell us how far God will go in behalf of guilty sinners. He keeps on pursuing us, the hound of heaven, keeping after us. What, what, when I, when I was a kid and I'd go out hunting, we had this old beagle by the name of Babe. This is not Babe the pig. This is Babe, the old black and white beagle that we have. And beagles are hunters and they're howlers. They love to make noise. And, and whenever we would uh, go, the dog would run through the brush and then it would, it would get on the scent of the trail and it would do what beagles do. It howls. Ooh! You know, whatever whatever sound you can best make sound like a beagle, but he, but but we would watch, we would watch for the dog to trail the rabbit hopefully and bring it around somehow. Try to hopefully watch for where the rabbit is going to come by so he might get a chance at it. Uh, it, it was the hound that kept after that, kept after that until it caught it, until it got to it. God goes after us and. It's a picture of him continuing to pursue us with steadfast love. He sent his son to the lowest place on earth, the bloody cross of Calvary. The emblem of suffering and shame is the way the old hymn used to express it. And out of that shame, he fashions and fashioned our salvation. So I guess when, when all is said and done, we remember that God is a one who hears and answers our prayers. He's able to rescue us from pits. He's able to use a variety of means to capture our attention. And in it all, it begs the question, is there something you're running from today? Are you running from God, like Jonah did in the first chapter? Are you finding yourself running to God? Sometimes we try to muddle along the best we can in all of life, and then when that doesn't work, we say, okay, I guess I should pray. 
make our turn toward God. I think he longs for that to be our first resort, not our last resort along the way. Are there things that you're allowing in your life that keep you from heading to him? Being in your fish isn't always bad, particularly if it brings you to the place of finally heading the right direction. And the question is, which direction are you going to head today? So I don't know where you're at in the journey. Maybe you're pursuing him hard. But if you're just kind of wandering, if you're kind of drifting, if you're far from God and you need to draw close to him, remember the story of Jonah that God goes to extreme lengths to pull you back to him with cords of love that cannot be broken. I want you to pause with me for prayer as we uh, wrap up here. Father, without question, you know where we are in the journey. There's not a thing that goes on in our world, in our story, that is unnoticed by you. And all that we really need is to have our face toward you. Because when we move that direction, we know that's a right direction. We know we can see a God who hears and answers our prayer. There may be things that we're walking through, struggling with, wrestling with today that we haven't brought to you. Those things have kept us from coming to you. But, but you know our need, and I ask, Father, you help us to make that good turn and say, Lord, I know that you, you brought me here for purpose and help us to find our face toward you, not running away from you. And I ask, Father, that you would close us in with yourself as we make our humble confession where we say those words, I have sinned, yet I will look to you. Help us to keep our eyes moving in the right direction. Thank you for what you'll do. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Running from God, Jonah chapter 1. Running to God, chapter 2. Next week, Jonah chapter 3 is a wonderful picture where we get to run with God. Jonah's finally got oriented the right way, and he's heading toward Nineveh. Well, what's he going to find? What will happen to him? Well, you can read chapter 3 and see what we find out, and then bring it back with you next week and see what we look at together. Okay?